Mashed, boiled, roasted or fried, potatoes are a beloved staple worldwide, but this has not always been the case. The humble potato had a tough time. It has been hailed as an aphrodisiac, banned for causing leprosy, entangled in the rise of empires and the death of at least a million people. Listen till the end to hear what lessons we can draw from how potatoes went from food that not even peasants would want to something that has massively shaped our modern civilization. I want to welcome you to this special season of Red to Green on history for the future of food, where we have gathered some of the most exciting stories on what makes foods or food technology succeed or fail miserably. As you may know, I studied technology history, and I believe that if we look into the past, we can have so many lessons for the future. But at the same time, when I was looking at various food history podcasts and blogs, I found, okay, this is sort of interesting to know or nice to have, but it doesn't relate to the present. That's why in this season, we will share stories which can actually give us an insight into human nature. And most importantly, how we can apply these lessons from history to the future of food. Let's jump right in. You're listening to Red to Green, the audiobook style podcast on food tech and sustainability. Moving the food industry from harmful to healthy, from polluting to sustainable, from red to green. Potatoes are now so present in European diets that it's easy to forget they are native to South America. They are believed to have been domesticated about 8,000 years ago on the borders of what is now Peru and Bolivia. More than 4,000 varieties are still grown today in a rainbow spectrum of colors and sizes. You likely have seen the yellow potato, though orange, pink, purple, blue and inky black are versions that are harder to come across. And just like the tomato, the potato came to Europe thanks to the Great Colombian Exchange. We will dive deeper into that part in an episode on tomatoes. At that time, Europe was struggling with wide-reaching famine and malnutrition. The historian Fernand Braudel once calculated that France had 40 nationwide famines between 1500 and 1800, more than one per decade. And this is a total understatement, since the calculation doesn't include the hundreds and hundreds of local famines that took place during that period. Looking into the history of the potato surely already has one big lesson. We can be so grateful for the abundance and security of food that we have today. This is not to be taken for granted. Before the potato and intensive fertilization, living standards in Europe were similar to those in Bangladesh and Cameroon today. Most European peasants had less to eat than the hunter-gatherers in Africa and the Amazon. Potatoes and industrial agriculture enabled countries to produce their food reliably, finally. And here's one of my favorite takeaways that I think I've already told seven people. A single acre of land cultivated with potatoes and one milk cow is enough to feed a large family of six to eight and provides the most necessary nutrients. You couldn't pull that off with wheat or any other cereal. You would actually just need one acre of potatoes, I mean, if you're just one person, <laughs> way less, and a cow 
to just keep living and just be pretty fine. Potatoes provide the most nutrients per acre compared to most other crops. But between the arrival of the potatoes in the 1500s and their adoption, 300 years passed. Instead of saving lives, the potato was shunned. People regarded it with suspicion, distaste and fear, a decision that cost many lives. So how did potatoes develop from being pig's food to laying on the plates of the rich? This is a fascinating story that involves some clever maneuvers by some clever people that we can learn from. Again, as we will see in an episode with tomatoes, there was a fear of potential health issues and religion as well as mental associations played a significant role. The potato had some serious branding problem. It was not mentioned in the Bible, so some clergymen argued God has not meant people to eat them. Secondly, herbalists believed their appearance showed what diseases they could cause or cure. And well, let's be frank, potatoes would not win a beauty contest. They were believed to cause leprosy. The hands of leprosy patients and potatoes have some similarities. Just trust me, I, I just googled it, you don't have to do that. And thirdly, as if that is not enough, more scientifically inclined botanists identified the tubers as members of the poisonous nightshade family, just like tomatoes. So they also became associated with witchcraft and devil worship. And that's how potatoes stayed away from human plates and ended up as animal feed. They even earned the name pig's bread in France. What the potato needed were some great PR campaigns. So let's look at some of the greatest potato champions and how they polished the dusty image of the humble potato. One of its greatest champions was about to arise, Frederick the Great, King of Prussia who saw the potato's potential to help feed his nation during war. He ordered his footmen to distribute instructions on how to plant them. But it wasn't that easy because he had to overcome prejudice against the plant. Three years later, Frederick the Great issued an order to grow potatoes as protection against famine. One town replied, the things have neither smell nor taste, not even the dogs will eat them, so what use are they to us? This is where Frederick the Great lived up to his name and started some great maneuvers. He thought, what would make something that people regard as pig's food something they would want to eat? So he tried a less direct approach. He planted a royal field of potato plants and stationed a heavy guard to protect this field from thieves. Nearby peasants naturally assumed that anything worth guarding was worth stealing, so they snuck into the field and snatched the plants from their home gardens. Of course, this was precisely what Frederick had planned all along. In France, another important advocate for the potato was Antoine Pametier. Pametier was an army pharmacist during the Seven Years' War and spent a lot of time as a captive of Prussians. They caught him five times. In France, potatoes were best considered suitable for animals and had been banned in some areas due to the fear of leprosy. During his prison time, Pametier had no other choice than to eat potatoes and he was surprised about his excellent health upon release. This convinced him that potatoes are pretty damn terrific, as they are. 
Parmetier dedicated himself to the study and promotion of the tuber. He even lost his job for it. A religious group pressured him out of his position at the hospital for growing the unholy roots in their test garden. His research eventually convinced the medical establishment to declare the potato edible. In 1771, a paper from the Faculté de Paris testified that the potato was not harmful but beneficial, and the bans were overturned in 1772. But a public institution stating this was not enough to overcome suspicion. Louis XVI lifted grain price controls, so bread became very expensive. This was the start of the flour war, with more than 300 civil disturbances. Parmentier believed that if France grew potatoes, they wouldn't need to fight over bread. To make potatoes a more popular choice, he made a smart move. Parmentier organized a dinner with guests from the high society, only serving dishes made with potatoes, supposedly persuading the queen and king to wear potato blossoms. Guests also included high society, like chemists Antoine Lavoisier and the American polymath Benjamin Franklin, while the queen Marie Antoinette started to wear the purple potato blossom in her hair and Louis XVI began to wear potato flower in his buttonhole. But convincing high society wasn't enough. Parmentier used the same trick as Frederick of Prussia. He had potatoes planted on the edges of the king's lands near Paris and heavily guarded during the day, hoping that ordinary men would come to steal them at night. The elites and military strategists of the time soon noticed that the easily grown potato could provide nutritious food. In the 18th century, scientists hadn't agreed on a language for vitamins, proteins and minerals to compare nutritional values. Instead, they observed that people who ate potatoes were more robust and more energetic than people who stuck to the usual diet. The potato slowly gained ground in eastern France, where it was often the only crop remaining after soldiers plundered wheat fields and vineyards. Just as the tomato, people needed to learn how to prepare them in delicious ways. During World War I, villagers in Belgium fried potatoes instead of fish because the lakes were frozen and since the dominant language of southern Belgium is French, they dubbed the tasty potatoes French fries. The invention of French fries made the popularity of potatoes soar. But back to my initial thesis. Eating potatoes saves lives. That could be the slogan on a red to green t-shirt. So here's my potato pitch with some interesting facts on these tubers. First of all, the potato has a very high nutritional value. It provides essential starch, vitamin C, is high in potassium and an excellent source of fiber. Potatoes alone supply every vital nutrient except calcium, vitamin A and vitamin D. And this part surprised me the most. The plant is easy to grow and provides more nutritious food faster on less land than pretty much any other food crop. So if you would need to choose between growing wheat, oats, other veggies or potatoes, potatoes would likely work the best. They are very resilient and they are not picky about soil. Therefore, they're significantly easier to grow than grains like wheat. Plus, there is a bonus point, because potatoes are underground, it was harder for enemies to find them, making them a more secure food source during wars and more resilient to lower temperatures. So it's great return on investment, a lean business model, it's scalable, food tech investors, grocery delivery is so out, invest in potato startups. <laughs> hey, have you been enjoying this episode so far? 
If you would think of just one person that may be interested in this topic, who comes to mind? In whatever podcast app you're listening, you can click on the share button and send them a direct link. If you do this now, it maybe just takes 30 seconds. It's a small gesture, but helps us a lot. So we can keep producing future seasons that you can enjoy for free. Thank you for supporting Red to Green. Now back to the episode. Let's look a little bit into how the potatoes were actually domesticated. Many wild potatoes have a strong bitter flavor, for example due to solanin, which serves to defend the plants against fungi, insects and us humans. Solanin is a toxin that in high doses causes headaches, vomiting, diarrhea and even paralysis or death. Moreover, the early Andean varieties had difficulty adjusting to Spain and other parts of mainland Europe, because they were initially domesticated in the equatorial region. The potato plant was used for regular days with 12 hours of sunlight. Well, sorry, the only thing we can deliver reliably here in Germany is 12 hours of medium dark grayness or crazy heat and sun for month of the year. <laughs> so the European long summer days confuse the potato. I love the phrasing of this, to confuse a potato. If you ever want to do so, now you know how. The confused potatoes didn't grow during the warmer months. Instead, they started in autumn, just in time to soon be hit by frosty early winter days. For a couple of decades, planting in mainland Europe was relatively unsuccessful. However, potatoes contain enough vitamin C to prevent scurvy, and sailors returning to Spain who had them in their rations spread that knowledge. Fishermen spread them to Italy and Ireland by the early 1600s. Ireland had good conditions with its cool but frost-free fall. A century of farmer selections produced a variety that was more adapted to the local climate and less poisonous. But solanin is still present in the leaves and shoots of plants and builds up in the roots when they start to grow. This is really interesting. I actually didn't know that before, but this is why potatoes should always be stored in the dark. And any that do begin to turn green or sprout should be kept away from your dinner plate. Compost them or dig them into an available flower bed instead. Anyway, production issues were primarily out of the way and PR stunts in Prussia and France had helped to polish their image. So is it a happily ever after? Wherever the European diet expanded to include potatoes, farmers were able to produce much more food. They also gained protection in several ways, against the catastrophe of grain crop failure, armies plundering the grain stores and famine usually resulting from that. No army would stop on its way to dig up tubers or at least most of them wouldn't bother. People in potato growing areas became taller and healthier and more numerous. As the industrial revolution began to kick off, the surplus population and potatoes migrated to urban areas. The potatoes convenience, cheap, storable and quick and easy to cook made it a typical food for the industrializing society. You could say that the potato was the fuel for industrialization. The tuber helped with diseases such as scurvy, tuberculosis and measles. The resulting higher birth rates and lower mortality rates led to a big population explosion wherever the potato traveled, particularly in Europe, the US and the British Empire. Unfortunately, the rise of the potato to staple crop status had set the stage for disaster. 
in South America, there was a wide variety of potatoes. Only a few varieties were cultivated in Europe and much of the crop grew as a monoculture. In 1845, the fungus Phytoptora infestans led to potato crop failures across Europe, with particularly catastrophic results in Ireland. By 1850, a million Irish had died and a further million had emigrated. It took a while until fungus-resistant strains were imported back from Chile and the US. Today the potato is the fourth most important crop after rice, wheat and maize, and the third among non-grains. It has been called the world's most successful immigrant, as producers and consumers consider it a native plant everywhere, and it is regarded as staple food in many countries around the world. In 2019, the global production of potatoes had passed 370 million tons, with China being the largest producer. The potato solved a severe food problem of its time, the ever-threatening possibility of famine due to failure or theft of grains. Even though it was rationally a great choice, people remained skeptical. The major influence was the kinds of associations that came to people's mind. The potato didn't look attractive, people associated it with leprosy. It didn't feel safe because of its association with the deadly nightshade family. Frederick the Great made potatoes desirable by showing that they were worth the royal guard. I also find it curious that a paper from the Faculté de Paris didn't have even close to as much of an impact as Marie Antoinette and Louis XVI wearing potato flowers. In a way, this old-school influencer marketing used royal celebrity endorsement. And of course, as we will see in the next episodes, French fries made all the difference. Thank you for listening to this episode on food history for the future. I would love to hear from you and hear your feedback or hear any topics we should cover in future history seasons. Connect with me on LinkedIn. My name is Marina Schmidt, Schmidt with S-C-H-M-I-D-T, or just look for red to green. Thanks to Katarina Tilch and also Eleanor Tomset for doing ground research for this episode, as well as Celeste Gupta for doing audio editing. Until the next time, let's move the food industry from harmful to healthy, from polluting to sustainable, from red to green.